Hi, and welcome to the Cosmic Circle, or I guess the Cosmic Cafe. It's the Cosmic Circus's podcast. I'm very happy today. We have two amazing guests. Uh, gentlemen, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, I'm Dr. Sai Islam. I'm an associate professor uh, of psychology at Farmingdale State College and vice president of consulting with Talent Metrics Consulting. Hi, I'm Gordon Schmidt. I'm uh, a professor of management at the University of Louisiana Monroe, and I'm also the director of the School of Management there. And we're, we're here to talk about psychology and the MCU. I have your book here, Leaders Ooh. Assemble, Leadership in the MCU, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk all about that. Can you, you know, you told me a little bit about yourselves. Can you, you know, talk about how this book, um, how this book came to be, like how you guys met, um, how you started working together professionally, um, and where the kernel of this, you know, this idea for this awesome book came from? Well, I, I like to say that this is Gordon's fault, mostly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mostly his fault. Uh, but we met, uh, I believe I'd applied for a job at, at Purdue Fort Wayne, where Gordon was. I can't even remember what time, what year it was anymore, maybe 2014, uh, something like that. And oh, wow. uh, yeah. am, am I right about time. that? Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, we're going to celebrate like a decade anniversary. I think you need to get me something <laughs> wood, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Green Lantern-esque weakness. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, and so, you know, I didn't end up taking that job and and uh, we just stayed friends and we were, we talked about a lot of very nerdy stuff. And then Gordon, I think you heard about uh, the book series, right? Yeah, so this is uh, our secret origin of the book is, uh, as all secret origins are based on listservs. Uh, so there's a listserv. Uh, for organizational behavior, one of the things that, you know, we study and somebody said, hey, we're doing a book series on exploring popular culture or no, exploring leadership through popular culture. And I was like, hey, Sai, you want to write a book on Marvel? You want to propose that? And he's like, I've never written a book. I've never written a chapter. And I was like, don't worry about it, man. We got this. Let's submit something. <laughs> so they liked our proposal <laughs> and that led to us writing the book. So. Follow listservs, everybody. They're still vital, uh, at least in academic publishing, which is, you know, 20 years at least behind the rest of society. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to add is, like, we've been talking about using pop culture in our classes for a really long time. So this book series is kind of part of that as well. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the other thing is, like, Sai and I do research on scientific communication related stuff. Um, you know, how do we get people to actually understand what we've done? How do we actually communicate with the public about research supported ideas of leadership and management and psychology? Um, and so we wrote about that, that we need to make things accessible and we need to get that information out there. Um, and so it makes the book very relevant in theory to our work because this is us doing that. So we said we should, we told other academics they should do something. And then oftentimes that means you never actually do it yourself. You just tell people. <laughs> but this book is us actually doing that and trying to get out here, talking to comic book podcasts, talking to people that have never, you know, never read an article, an academic article in their life necessarily, and, try, and, and having the book be a way to introduce them to all this great research that could help them to be a better leader, better manager of whatever it is. So, so yeah, this is all work related, which I, I love. I love saying that's the case. <laughs> 
technically this is work related for me too. I get to talk to you guys and about comic <laughs> books and comics. So it's the best of, of all worlds. Absolutely. <laughs> um, one thing I really love about this book is that it, it's so accessible and, you know, the, the fact that you guys, um, you know, study scientific communication and, you know, getting this stuff out is you, that comes through with the book. And I think just you did a marvelous job with that. And I have so many, many years ago before there was an MCU, I went to business school and I can remember the organ like the examples we had where I think Zappos and Enron and Arthur Anderson, oh, if, yeah. like if I had had this, this would have been so much more fun and so much more exciting. So like, I'm yeah. very happy for your students. Um, okay. So, you know, you, you've mentioned you're both comic fans, you know, you, you know, kind of connected talking about these nerdy things. I'd love to hear more about, you know, your individual journeys through, you know, fandom, how it started. Um, like, were you into comic books? Did you start with shows? What, what's the story there? So I can, I can go first if you want. Um, so I started in the comics just uh, a little bit sort of through my dad. Uh, so my dad had in the the 60s, um, he had a chance to buy all the original Avengers and a lot of very important Silver Age stuff, <laughs> but he loved war comics and science fiction comics and, you know, Dell uh, movie things. So uh, I've got all these comics that are out like the same month as stuff <laughs> or like has ads for like the first issue of Avengers. I've got, I think, the sixth issue of X-Men without the cover. That's one of the best. And I've got the first appearance of the Wasp. Oh. Because it looked like sci-fi, so therefore he bought it. Um, but so my my dad had, you know, read comics as a kid. And when I was uh, in sort of elementary school, I was into, you know, G.I. Joe, the TV show, and Transformers. And so we just kind of, he, he sort of introduced, like, well, we've got comics on this. And so I started getting the comics through these, like, toy license stuff. And so E-Man and Mask and all this stuff and ALF. Um, and basically a big event for me was uh, my dad loved to buy stuff from flea markets. We then sell it for a profit at the garage sale. And so at a flea market, he bought this huge box of comics. And so it was partly the goal of making some money on these comics. But it was all late 70s, early 80s mostly Marvel comics, mm -hmm. which I had never read, really. And so that's how I read my first Spider-Man, my first Avengers. Um, all kinds of stuff came out of this box. And so by the time we had the garage sale, I was a fan of Spider-Man and Avengers and just continued on in there. Uh, and so that's kind of my intro introduction to the superhero comics. And so really being a comics fan in you know the early 90s when we didn't have movies and it wasn't cool in any way, really. <laughs> you know, that's kind of at least where, where my origin is. And so the idea of good comic book movies is still feels a little weird to me. Um, and it <laughs> seems weird to, for people to be angry that there's too many now and they're doing too well. Uh, is, is still blows my mind a little bit. Although I've read enough of Twitter or X, I guess. Now, oh, no. <laughs> understand. <laughs> that's how some people feel very strongly. Uh, that, you know, we need to stop the Marvel Universe or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but that's that growing up, man, I would have loved this stuff was like the greatest dream in, in the world to me. The amount of content we have and the amount mm -hmm. that this is like driving so much of our society is these nerd things that are now everybody's debating it of yeah. what's going on. So 
that's that's my origin story. Yeah, so so mine is is similar. I got um I got into comics because of my brother. My brother had a box of comics, and he was kind of going off to college. My parents were trying to get me to read more. Um, I think I was watching, uh, you know, we were just watching too much like Sesame Street or whatever. And they were like, hey, give him these comics. Maybe he'll like them. And I did. I, You know, the first comic I ever read was, I want to say, Mighty Thor number 138 with the Grey Gargoyle, oh. which was okay. You know, I was like, ah, this Thor guy is all right. But let me see what else I've got in here. And I got into Captain America and the Falcon. I don't know why my brother had so many issues of, of Captain America and the Falcon. <laughs> And he had a bunch of issues of like Power Man and Iron Fist and a number of Avengers issues. What really got me hooked, hooked, I think, was um, 80s and 90s X-Men and and Spider-Man. X-Men, you know, I liked the metaphor. I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the characters. I really, you know, and it's funny that I liked X-Men so much. And now I'm a professor. I I always wonder if that's (laughs) like that really that that why we became professors, because we thought we were going to have telekinetic powers and <laughs> you know uh all of these things but it was really you know it was fun and um i used to go speaking of flea markets uh gordon my you know my mom and i used to go to this church flea market uh where i would walk my mom haggle over certain certain things that she cared <laughs> about and i would go and i would just like find a ton of comics for like a dollar you could get like 10 comic books that were just used mm-hmm. and uh you know i collected as many as i could and i really i really got into it uh and you know it it is strange now as as a kid it was the comic being a comic book fan you know especially going into like middle school and high school it became more and more disreputable as you got older uh mm-hmm. it became less desirable as a thing to do and i was like oh these are still cool um and now to see everybody like watching the movies or talking about them or like, you know, the fact that Ant-Man has huge movies is like ridiculous <laughs> to me. Right. If if you told three like 10 year old. Yeah. Three movies like three, three movies. Yeah. Three pretty good movies. Uh, you know, 10 year old me is like, what, what do you mean? Who I don't even like Ant-Man. Why is he getting three movies? Right. Uh, but it's, it's kind of incredible to to see that uh, come to fruition. So our summary is we are old and have unrelatable experiences to, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to I... modern people. That's that's the crazy part. It's just a completely different time. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that you guys mentioned, like you both mentioned the box, because like now there's like, you just are on your Kindle or, or Comixology or whatever. It, it's very different. And, you know, uh, kids don't necessarily have the same experience of going to the comic book store and getting the pull and all of that stuff. So it's it's like a very different um, different world. Oh, yeah. And manga, too. We just did not have. Yep. There was not an alternative comics. You read comics. They were American stuff. They're mostly yeah. off the rack and they were Marvel or DC mostly. Mm-hmm. And then Image came along. But that was mostly more of a comic shop thing. So, so yeah, we didn't have like a big other comic alternative <laughs> where we could be be you know reading My Hero Academia or something. It was like <laughs> this is it, kid. This is the thing that nobody else likes. You're too old for it. That's your only option is hopefully go to these disreputable shops or flea markets and and buy some random pile of comics or whatever. <laughs> and now my daughter can get graphic novels and stuff in her like elementary school library which is awesome for her and it like encourages reading so I'm mm-hmm. all about that yeah um so you know you the, the book covers the MCU it doesn't cover comic books as much um can you talk about like your prep 
to this book? Because, you know, did you watch a lot of movies? You know, you have um, that we, we mentioned it earlier. The MCU has a lot of stuff going on. What did you like do when you were forming the idea or forming the proposal for this book? Because you had to start from somewhere. So for the proposal, I think we kind of we wrote what we remembered. Uh, you know, hopefully, I was gonna say we aren't listening to this and and aren't realizing that we just like wrote whatever we remembered. But in the process of writing the book, I think we both rewatched the as many movies as existed, um, through like Endgame. I think we watched you know Mm -hmm. all the uh, all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. We do mention some non MCU movies like the Raimi Spider Man movies. And there's X Men uh, in there too a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think Spider Verse might pop up. It it is in there, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, the mentoring chapter. Yeah. Yep. So, and then we also did, you know, we talked more about comics in a chapter we wrote for um, a book we collaborate or a chapter we uh, submitted for Travis Langley's uh, Spider Man Psychology. So that's yep. all rooted in comics. Um, the Leaders Assemble is specific to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, you know, mostly because from for us, from a teaching perspective, we we're like, you know, I don't know if we can convince professors to like assign actual comic books, but <laughs> we can definitely get them to throw on like a video clip of, you know, Captain America or something. Yeah. Now, what's the response been from, you know, other professors? Have you, you know, heard like positive feedback? Have they incorporated, you know, stuff into their teaching and even from other students? Yeah, I've heard positive feedback. We had the book was used in a, um, I think, a strategic teamwork class uh, that, that that somebody used uh, oh, wow. who said it went very well. And we've seen a, a lot of people are very excited by the concept because it's sort of an interesting, it's a very interesting thing to be like, oh, we should use this. Or we have a lot of people, academics who have read the book and, and think it's pretty interesting um, on what they did. So we've got a lot of positive feedback from people on it. Uh, both in academics and then just like normal folks, like a comedian I knew read the book and was writing how much he loved the book. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's really seemed to be pretty accessible, which was our goal to just yeah. a whole range of people. Sai, you've got any um, stories? Yeah, um, yeah I, well, well, I, I believe some people have learned how to become supervillains, which was not our intent. <laughs> uh from the from the book at all uh no i remember there's a university in chicago that used it for their student leadership uh program right um and what we've heard back from uh you know from other academics has been that they've really enjoyed it that their their students seem to engage with it a little bit differently than some of the examples that you you'd given earlier of like zappos and arthur anderson uh now we're not saying you shouldn't use those examples but i think having a little variety and you know, uh, how you describe those examples can be a little bit different, you know, especially when we talk about something like leadership, which in the book we describe as an influence process, it's kind of hard to envision that. Uh, But you can watch a conversation between Captain America and Iron Man, you can start to see that happen. Or you can watch a scene or two from Black Panther and you can start to see that happen. And that's been some of the feedback that we've gotten that's been really heartening for us, both as enormous comic book nerds and as as instructors that's to me that's one of the weird things about the book is i would almost say using the marvel movies makes it more similar to the workplace than a lot of examples of actual workplaces right because a lot of examples are like there's some amazing ceo dude and it's usually a dude 
who fixed everything <laughs> on his own and didn't do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, picture how people talked about Elon Musk before buying Twitter, right? <laughs> Genius that never does anything wrong. And so to me, as a student, what do you, you're probably not a CEO right now. You probably might think you might ev- never get there. And so to be like, oh, just do these five things. Or like, I remember an article was like, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same shirt every day. He just does 12 <laughs> copies. And that's how you become a good leader, right? Hopefully that wasn't used in classrooms, but it is sort of this idea we've got people that are, you know, so detached from reality and from day-to-day interactions. Superheroes are very different from us, but superheroes, as I see them, are they're highly talented people that are successful in what they do. They save the day, right, uh, from su- supervillains, these big situations. But they also, to, to you know, hurt those big threats like Thanos, they have to come together and work together. These very different people with very different goals and different ideas of what's the right thing to do. And they have to figure it out together when you can't just have big boss says do it so you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's what real work is like, right? Uh, your boss usually can't just force you to think exactly what the boss wants you to do and to act exactly. You might go along because you don't get fired, but he can't motivate you just by saying, hey, do this. And so to me, that negotiation between people, us influencing each other that we see in Marvel movies and hero movies is actually a lot more like what real life is. A bunch of people trying to figure things out, trying to work together when we don't always agree, when we don't have, we have very different ideas, very different skills. Mm -hmm. So weirdly, it's almost more realistic to me talking about some of these things than talking about, you know, Jack Welch, I don't know, invented great business or some other completely made up (laughs) thing that you might hear. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and you know, you you cover that, right? You cover that in the book. You talk about teams. You have these like 11, you know, 11 topics. I want to say that you have these like concrete MCU examples um, to illustrate that all. Um, was there anything that was really, you know, surprising to either of you that, you know, you kind of maybe didn't realize that this movie was illustrating this point, but when you, you know, sat down and watched and thought about it, that, you know, it popped for you. So Gordon, I think we need to talk about Black Widow. If, if, if we're gonna <laughs> I'm talk wearing about her this. shirt. You're wearing her, okay. I'm, so, and I, okay. I'm ready to talk about that chapter if you want to talk about that, because <laughs> okay. that was really good. <laughs> yeah, because there's something that we figured out as we were, you know, actually after the book came out, we, we realized something about the Marvel uh, heroes. Number one, they're, you know, we have a chapter about gender and, and leadership. There just aren't that many female leaders in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But as Gordon and I were talking about, um, you know, the blip, you know, and the time period that we, we don't really see very much between Infinity War and Endgame, you know, during that time. Um, one thing that we realize is that there, you know, the MCU has a good example of, of something called the glass cliff. So most people are familiar with the glass ceiling, which is, that you know, women and minorities they cannot get into higher level leadership positions because there's this glass ceiling that says like no, you have to stay at this level. The glass cliff is when an organization or a company is doing very poorly, and a you know a woman or a minority is given a role or position uh, of leadership, and the company says, well, we're kind of screwed. Why don't you why don't you lead us? And so, mm-hmm. Gordon, you, you're the one who figured this out. So, what what is so important about Black Widow? Yeah, and so Black Widow, and you know, we, we touch on this some in the book, but it really has come together for more, more for us as well. Post book is just like 
all of all the white dudes that were in charge <laughs> leave, right? <laughs> Even the people that weren't in charge but could be like the Hulk leaves. He's he's gonna w- focus on himself. Uh, <laughs> you know, Thor, Cap, everybody's gone, and so they're like, we need somebody to leave. Who's still? You know, Hawkeye leaves. I wouldn't put <laughs> Hawkeye in charge. No offense. No. <laughs> no offense to Hawkeye, but never. Uh, but Black Widow is the one who's like, I'm still gonna do the job. All the dudes have left to find themselves somebody needs to make sure the world still runs and so during this blip period and we see sort of the end of this period essentially the world's in a pretty good place (laughs) things seem to be running people are sad as they should be it's a huge tragedy they've lost but the world is everybody yeah yeah, a huge a huge an event as catastrophic as you could get almost right but the world looks in pretty good shape overall and when you look at kind of the meeting of who's in charge at that sort of end of blip period before we get Ant-Man to come back to bring back the world for white men to be in charge or whatever, um, is that we've got a team. It's got, it's got, it's got Okaye. It's got War Machine is there. Uh, who knows if he's a scroll at that point. Who knows? <laughs> I um, have thoughts on know. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how long they're going back. I, I was really hoping kind of Terrence Howard would be found in there, but that, that would really make it clear. Um, but we've got him, we've got Captain Marvel's part of this team. And so we have a team that is very female, that has, you know, a minority member as, as an African-American, as a major member. And they're the ones who are kind of running the whole mm-hmm. superhero world and keeping things well. Yep. Once we get an idea by Scott Lang of how to fix things, suddenly all the old white guys become interested again. Yep. And by the end of the movie, Black Widow sacrifices herself so we can keep hawkeye around i like the hawkeye series so maybe it was worth it but kate <laughs> probably could have done it on her own just gonna throw it out there um and so you know all of her stuff kind of doesn't get recognized i don't think the movie does it um and so si and i have talked about this before of the degree we'd love to see sort of a movie about the blip and how did we resolve all this stuff what were some of the things blackwood and others went through because it seems like they did a very good job based on what we seem but they haven't really gotten the credit, which really is very Glass Cliff-esque. It's very much of, you you, you know, you're you're darned if you do or darned if you don't. Um, And and a lot of women and minorities are put in that situation as CEOs. If things get better, they get replaced. Uh, If things go badly, they get fired. And it's just another example of Mm -hmm. we shouldn't have given somebody a chance. And it's a very tough situation to be in. Please see Twitter and X on their current CEO as well. For a bad situation a woman has been put in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what she really thinks, but uh, it'd be hard to believe it's what she has tweeted, axed. I can't. There's so many jokes about what you're supposed to call tweets now that I don't even know what the heck they are. Um, but, you know, it's... It, it's still Twitter to me, Gordon. That's all That's all. I, that I agree. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it's still Twitter. And I think I I, I literally highlighted this, like, <laughs> oh, because cool. it, it's it's stood out because it's true right she didn't get any credit for holding the world together essentially while mm-hmm. you know everyone else was was off doing whatever dealing with things um yeah. so i'm really glad this chapter was there and i'm really glad that you know you guys uh talked about it and i would be curious to see um as the mcu has expanded your thoughts on things like miss marvel and she hulk and whether or not there are leadership lessons that you can draw from there well, um, I think, you know, yeah, I'm. I think we're both fans of both 
shows. I think we're oh, fans yeah. of, uh, you know, Ms. Marvel and, and She-Hulk. I, I would say Ms. Marvel's probably my favorite mm-hmm. uh, of the of the kind of new batch shows. Yeah. I'm a little biased because I'm, uh, you know, brown Muslim guy from New Jersey. So it's like really playing <laughs> to me specifically. <laughs> um, but what I, what I really like about uh, Ms. Marvel and uh, something I also like about uh, T'Challa uh, as well mm-hmm. is she, you know, one of the leadership lessons we can take from that show in particular is that she doesn't uh usually when we think about leaders we think of really coercive leaders right people that are pushing you to do things making you do things and she really is community-based right she's represent you know not only does she represent new jersey or jersey city but she's really fighting for that community people you know feel comfortable with her in the community and she's listening to the two folks in the community both in the comics and i feel in the tv show as well um, and I think I think that's really important, especially given the damage control kind of villain that that she's she's got to face. This is an outside force coming into her community. She's yeah. going to lead everybody out of it. Yeah, no, I, it, I think that's a great series. She-Hulk, I think, has a lot of interesting questions on mentorship and so much meta commentary on kind of online backlash uh, for kind of the overall. This this phase four and phase five we're going into, uh, you know, there is certainly some. Uh, it's expected, but also sad the degree to which the first phase we have, which has more women, more minorities, more different views, is also the one that gets seems to have got the most negative flack, and that mm-hmm. we're we're in decline, and everyone's sick of superheroes now. We've seen enough superheroes. We saw the right type. We're done now. Uh, that type of dialogue with some of the great work that's come out, especially on TV. I feel like yeah. TV has been very good. TV to me has been the base of the MCU um, where the series is, have been very strong overall. Um, while the movies to me have disappointed a little bit more, um, you know, I think Wakanda forever has some amazing acting and a lot of cool stuff going on. But it's sort of a weird setup and what's going on is kind of confusing to me, at least, compared to what would be best. Um, and things like, you know, Eternals. I don't know if Eternals was ever going to work <laughs> just because I don't think Kirby's original, frankly, works very well. Mm-hmm. I was reading Eternals and I'm just like, this is a weird. <laughs> this is just a weird setup. It's all there's a whole I don't know. I don't know if you're aware. There's whole there's a whole 70s thing of like aliens came down and created the pyramids and everything yeah. that a non-white person made. Eric Van Donovan's Chariots of the Gods and all this stuff. Uh, that is, that's what Eternals is. It's like, oh, those pyramids, don't worry, some white guy from space made it. Um, and it's just such a weird setup. The other part with the Kirby is like, the Eternals are going to sweep, or, or the Celestials are going to wait 50 years to decide. So it's just like, well, I guess 50 years of incontinuity time before anything exciting happens. <laughs> and so it's just a really weird base. I think Neil Gaiman's work on Eternals is, it was kind of good, mm-hmm. but it still is kind of a weird base of what to use um, for it. Now, you know, Gardens of the Galaxy looks nothing like Gardens of the Galaxy yeah. in the comics, but it was pretty great. But it's Eternals was, to me, is not a great base to do anything from from the original. So I think it's the movies, I think, have been more rocky, but overall, the TV has brought it through very well uh, in being interesting and engaging. Yeah, I think it's it's harder. The best one yet, I would say, with Secret Invasion, with man has a lot of problems, 
Uh, but most of those series have been very good or have try, at least tried to be very good. Um, as I will know anything with Doctor Strange, I'm against. So what if was my previous worst? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he's, you know, so no, Gordon no. Gordon is anti-Strange. Anti uh, uh, I, I really like Multiverse of Madness because I'm a sucker for Sam Raimi and I'll, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a I'm bigger horror guy than uh, than Gordon, <laughs> so I enjoy all the you know silly. There were some you know, horrible things in that movie. I agree with you. Yes, there we go. That seeds starting <laughs> with Sherlock. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't escape. I actually, you know, I I, li I like Multiverse of Madness a little more than the original, the first Doctor Strange movie. I'm also amazed that we're getting big budget Doctor Strange movies, which is a character who, I mean, he's never been the most popular. Uh, Marvel character and same thing with Eternals right like if you told me I picked up Eternals issues in a flea market box like all 12 of them however many of the original Jack Kirby ones for like two dollars mm -hmm. and if you had told me they're gonna make a huge big budget movie of this it's like super weird comic that is <laughs> you know Jack Kirby's like you know all, all of his like strange hopes and desires all on, on the page um, I was like, eh, I don't, I don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, yeah. You know, the mo movie was okay. Uh, I, I just feel like sometimes um, the demands of like being in the universe can be mm -hmm. a little hard. Um, you know, and especially like if you're not used to making big budget movies, I, I think that can be that can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so the the movie's been okay. I think you know once we start figuring out, once they start figuring out what the bigger arc of the next set of films is or you know what that big story happens to be i think people might get back on board with it uh you know i think like the response to across the spider-verse and guardians 3 kind of shows that people they still want to watch these stories they may not want to show up for every single one of them but mm -hmm. i think there's still a demand for high quality versions of them and luckily for me and gordon that means there's more leadership examples that we can pull from from the movies no, I, I was going to say the Eternals. Uh, I got in my original comic book box. I did get Eternals issues, uh, and I read them and left them to be sold in the garage sale, of which it <laughs> took many years for them to sell. So <laughs> I, I I agree with Sax's assessment on that. No, you you mentioned Secret Invasion, and I think on I think on your your site, right for your company side, um, I think it was a guest post by Gordon. There was about the leadership of. Um, showcased in secret invasion can you guys talk about that i know it's not the book but it it's super relevant um and i thought it was really interesting yeah sure so we <clears throat> we basically watched secret invasion uh and we you know being being academics what we saw was that there was a good example of something uh in, in the academic literature that's called leader member exchange mm -hmm. leader member exchange basically says that this theory basically says that if you want to have um, you know, if you want to express or, or manage other people, uh, or it also works for you if you're part of a team or a group, what you really have to look at is the relationship between the leader and the member of the team. And anybody that the leader is really close to, they're in what's called an in-group. They're the folks that they lean on. They're the ones that they, they go to consistently. So, you know, for example, Steve and, you know, uh, you know, Sam Wilson, they're, you know, that's the in-group right there. Mm -hmm. uh, but then people you don't interact with as much, that's the out-group, right? And you can see this um, not just in Secret Invasion where you see that, like, Nick Fury flipping out 
affected the relationships that he had and his mm-hmm. his return really impacted how well he was able to maintain those relationships but the you know you can see this even in the in the original avengers movies right like tony really likes hanging out with bruce they're science bros right that's very strong leader member exchange there between the two of them you know uh steve and you know natasha and you know uh any of the shield folks are closer to one another they have a deeper understanding of one another and so if you're going to be leading groups you really have to understand who's in your in group who's in your out group if i need to ask somebody to do something how do i manage this relationship how do i make sure that this relationship functions uh effectively because that's the only way that leaders can be effective leaders that just do everything themselves uh tend to burn out uh Mm -hmm. so a good leader knows how to delegate even to uh, a team member that maybe isn't their favorite or isn't the one that they uh, always want to turn to, um, but they try to manage that relationship in that way. Yeah, and that really that trusted influence is so important, is that I trust you, that you care about my interests, that you want the best, and therefore I let you influence me and I do what you want. And there's a scene in Secret Invasion, uh, I think it's Atelius, where he's just like, we trusted you, that you were going to get us the thing we did Oh, I, there. Oh, and yeah, with the bad guy, there was like we did your dirty work. We did all this stuff for mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. and but then you never followed through, right? And so all the scrolls are kind of betrayed by Nick not following through, and also not being honest with them either, right? Mm-hmm. And I think some of the scenes where we've got a lot of tension between Fury and Talos is like, I, if we were feeling closer together, I could I could criticize you and be okay because that would be honesty. But you criticizing me is now just insulting and mm-hmm. our relationship is frayed. And so it's this is a damaging situation um, versus versus one where we're just being honest with each other. Uh, and it really causes a lot of problem in that setup of why we have the scroll issue, why people why we have this all going on and a very different thing than the comic book setup of what's happening in there. Um so it's yeah so it was an interesting thing to kind of see those leader dynamics and how important they were it's less about shape-shifting and more about shape-shifting of our relationships into a bad spot that's that's a tortured line right there (laughs) (laughs) good save good save i appreciate that now i know we're we're getting somewhat close to um time but I, i have a few last questions you know what um you know, for each of you, what do you think the biggest lessons in leadership um, that, you know, that people can kind of apply to their everyday lives? If you can distill it, I don't know if this is a thing you can possibly do, um, that people can distill, you know, use in their everyday lives from from the MCU. Is there anything that really stands out? Well, what I would I would say, and I think it's true in general, is, you know, leadership is about us influencing each other regardless of who's the boss or who's in charge because the Avengers come together and they need to convince each other of what to do and what's going on. The guardians are a great example of a team where they're all very different. They got their own ideas. They don't have to be together. Um, and so to me, leadership and MCU shows it very well is of this idea of influence of really working together and figuring out how can we together reach a better goal and get what we want. Because that's real life. Most of the time, no one has enough influence to force you to do anything that you don't want, especially to do it well or to do it creatively. Uh, And so the MCU gives a lot of examples of that, of people working together, 
talking to each other, arguing with each other, and coming up with a good solution. And a lot of the tragedies in the MCU, the Avengers breaking up in Civil War, uh, secret evasions, issues between the Scrolls and Nick Fury, is because people did not work on their relationship together. They didn't figure out how can we collaborate and compromise or come up with a better solution. It was my way or the highway. Uh, and in real life, that leads to all kinds of issues for us. And so leadership is not forcing people to do stuff. It's influencing them based on their interests. It's talking together. It's that relationship matters a heck of a lot more than I'm the boss and I got a fancy title. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think one of the things to to remember, and I think one of the cool things about the MCU is that there's lots of different types of characters in the show. So some of the characters are kids, like, you know, like Spider-Man. Some of them are, you know, some of them are women. Some of them are, uh, you know, people from different countries. And everybody has something to contribute, mm -hmm. and especially from a leadership perspective, right? There are times where Scott Lang is leading. There are times where T'Challa is leading. There are times where Okoye is leading. And so if you can recognize that and recognize what good leadership looks like, in a lot of cases, it looks like good coordination between teams that is uh, something that I think you can, that everybody can take away. And hopefully it gives everyone both the sense that they themselves can lead. Uh, and that's one thing that we try to give to our students as well is that, you know, if you want to be a leader, uh, you, you can, you just have to find out how you best influence people. And I think there's a lot of value in that and people seeing themselves as having the ability to lead and also understanding who they should follow. Right. This is, uh, you know, one of the things we're seeing, you know, whether it's in, you know, uh, politics or in the workplace, we're seeing the, the importance of good leadership. And so hopefully we can illustrate some of those things about what makes a good leader, uh, what makes somebody that that should be followed versus somebody who shouldn't be followed. Well, I think that's wonderful. And now, is there anything, um, you know, that you're working on next? Are you is there another book coming out are you maybe going to talk about dc um what's what's next on the horizon for you for you both so we've got a book about avatar the last airbender that we're working on now okay. uh we're hoping that'll that'll be out soon uh we both love avatar the last airbender not not the blue people the uh the <laughs> the anime you know, right the well, anime yep, yeah the, the american anime um, and so that's going to be, you know, it's been a lot of fun to kind of think and write about uh, now. And so hopefully people are enjoying that. We're still uh, as new kind of uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff or other kind of nerd stuff that we're interested in <laughs> comes out. We've been, you know, posting blogs and writing about it yeah. and thinking about uh, leadership in those different contexts. Yeah, we're working on a Barbie one right now. So oh. watch for that. Yeah. It's an interesting angle, I think. <laughs> But it fits very well to what we actually look at uh, in our stuff. Um, you know, and I think part of it is part of our thing, too, is just continuing to be out here in the public, talking to people about it, spreading the word. And um, that's part of what we're doing. I think we're doing a little bit more comic book stuff as well. As I had said, we've got a Spider-Man and psychology book uh, that we've got a chapter in about mentorship and Spider-Man in the comics. Uh, and uh, we've been going to some comic cons. So hey. I've got some panels coming up at uh, GalaxyCon yeah. in Austin, and we did one in Mississippi, Mississippi Comic Con as well back in July, and then Sai is presented at uh, San Diego Comic Con. In the, yeah, that was uh, last year, yeah. 
I saw that. That's amazing. Cool stuff. (laughs) Well, thank you both very much. Um, it has been an an honor speaking with you. And go by, you know, people aren't going to be able to see me because this is just an audio podcast. But I'm holding (laughs) up the book, and you should go check it out because it's really good. Yeah, check it out, Addison x or linkedin <laughs> wherever whatever you prefer linkedin is linkedin has had to be had to become more fun lately because i don't know that's that's where i post the most so it's gotten <laughs> looser for me i don't know if we lose x that's what we got is linkedin <laughs> Very cool. thank you for having us this is great thank you for listening you can find the companion article for this podcast along with all the other news for those who like superheroes science fiction and fantasy films, TV shows, and other media at thecosmiccircus.com. Have a great day.